YouTube. It is one of the most important and influential websites ever built. An estimated 122 million people use it every single day. The general public was shocked in 2006 when Google paid $1.65 billion for the platform. But here in 2023, its estimated valuation is well over $100 billion. Now, if you rarely use the platform, you might not realize that the massive rise in company valuation is due to massive changes that Google made to YouTube over the course of roughly a decade. The YouTube that I knew as a child in 2008 is something that I argue will never come back. What was once a place where creativity took precedent has now become a corporate content churning entity where nearly every major decision at a corporate level is designed to maximize ad revenue. Now, I'm no idiot. I understand that a corporation needs to grow their profits, but if you're mentally sane and you don't keep up with internet drama, you might not be aware that a conflict between two major YouTubers this month will go down as an infamously historic moment for YouTube as a company and their policies and relationships with those who create their platform's content. This video podcast is meant to be a conversation about the recent Jax films and Sniper Wolf conflict, uh, but I'd like to bring it to a broader conversation about how YouTube's corporatization of a creative space has crossed a point of no return. My guest today for this conversation will be the incomparable friend of the podcast, Logan Brown. So let's get into it. This is Niche Talks. This is a Drew Waldron podcast, and to support it, please consider liking, reviewing, and subscribing. To catch you up to speed for this conversation, it's good to know what happened over the last month with the YouTubers Jax Film and Sniper Wolf, and I want to address this now. I know it's inherently childish to cover internet drama, but this is different. This has long-lasting implications for YouTube as a company and also how content creators react with the platforms that they profit off of. The best thing you could do before listening to this podcast is just Google either one of their names and hit the news tab and read up on the whole situation. But to be as brief and comprehensive as possible, Sniperwolf is a YouTuber who steals content and is a multi-millionaire because of it. Jax Films is another YouTuber who called her out, and as a result, she posted his house online to millions and millions of followers. Now, as of this recording... YouTube has responded to the situation, stating that their response would be to demonetize Sniper Wolf's videos temporarily, and they claim that they wanted the conflict on both sides to end, even though one side was criticizing content theft, and the other was posting their critics' home online while profiting off of theft. Uh, in my opinion, not exactly a two-sided issue. This seemed to infuriate other content creators who were hoping that YouTube would choose morality over profits, but it is my opinion that this is the final nail in the coffin and cements YouTube's full transition from a creative space to a content churner. Now, to get into the specifics and some opinions, here's my interview with content creator Logan Brown. Again, please be aware that although the situation may have progressed, this conversation was recorded on October 21st, 2023. Enjoy. What, what year was Adpocalypse? Because I always kind of like like say that it was the mid 2010s, maybe early 2010s. I don't know exactly. I remember it being a big deal, and then 
I look back and I like you can watch how it affected everything so quickly, how it changed the landscape so much. But before um, but you dive the into that thought, year, how, how how do you yeah. think you would describe Adpocalypse to someone who does not consume YouTube content, someone who's not online too much? Like, okay. What's a, what's a brief okay. explanation of Adpocalypse? So the internet, and it, it's it's multiple uh, subsections. Let's talk primarily about YouTube. Let's just use YouTube yeah, as Yeah, let's just example. focus in on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so YouTube pays creators for making content. They can do that through several ways. That's through um adsense meaning when people watch ads on your videos you get that money or just based on the views uh that you get on your videos um and it used to be that you could make a fairly good amount of money mm. uh, based on the kind of normal amount of views you got if you made viral content um then people started paying attention to what certain youtubers were doing uh PewDiePie's bridge incident is an interesting one. Uh, that I think that was one of the main catalysts of Adpocalypse, as far as I remember. Uh, but there were also instances of people talking about how you know terrorist organizations have videos on YouTube, or at least oh, yeah. had. I don't know how good they are about keeping that off now. But you would, let's say that you looked up just for curiosity's sake, an ISIS video, and an ad pops up for Ford. <laughs> and so people started pointing that out and saying, hey, Ford, are you chill with giving AdSense money to ISIS? Um, and from there, a lot of conversations started ramping up around, okay, well, who are these ads supporting? Where is this money going to? On this kind of um, free-for-all internet domain, anybody can make content and get money for it. Well, who is anybody? In a lot of cases, it can be bad people or in the like less severe cases just creators that you don't particularly like so much or in some actual serious cases creators who are causing actual harm with the content that they're putting out um so in response to that after much uh, you know consternation and dissent from the public uh youtube started changing the way that adsense worked and the details of which i'm not sure but uh, as far as I know, you got less money for AdSense. Uh, you got demonetized a lot easier, which is whenever you can no longer make money on a video based on its contents or your channel as a whole. Um, so this causes several things. One, you have to now really be careful about what kind of content you put on your videos. And it's not based on what the general public thinks is okay or not okay. It's based on what YouTube's very conservative assumption about what the public thinks is okay um, will be okay. So the restrictions can start being things like, I know a lot of YouTubers now start doing the uh, first 30 second rule. You're not allowed to cuss within the first 30 seconds because mm. that's what YouTube is doing. But also it's not clear cut. I, there, there's not a specific set of regulations that YouTube passes down to say, hey, here's what you can do to avoid getting demonetized. It is all this like witchcraft guesswork that every podcast just kind of assumes is working a certain way. Um, and so ultimately content got a lot more self-moderated, um, but it also meant that it's harder to make money on the platform. Now, on top of that, because of the reduction, and I'm just going to keep ranting here no, for please, a bit. I, I'm I almost done. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> okay, I'm almost done. But now you have a severe... Um, decrease in the amount of ads on YouTube, which is bad for YouTube as well, because they want to make money. So how do you make money with YouTube? How do you make the most money with YouTube? You need content 
that gets the most amount of ads in front of the most amount of people. Now, the kind of content that does that is content that keeps your attention for as long as possible. Um, so if you make a two minute, really well edited video that is so artistic, so creative, so amazing, the most amount of ads YouTube can put on that is gonna be like maybe two and that's pushing it. Um, but if you make a 30 minute podcast, a two hour podcast, that's just off the cuff and people are just leaving it on in the background or even maybe just watching it while they do something else, you can put in ad after ad after ad every five minutes of a two hour piece of content. So algorithmically, YouTube starts pushing that as the best kind of content on the platform. So no longer do you have this kind of what I remember as the golden age of YouTube where you had like- um, You and me both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Jack Films was one of them. Jack Films mm -hmm. could make these amazing skits um, that were, you know, maybe five minutes long at the longest, but you watched them, you enjoyed them. They were very creative. Uh, you also had Julian Smith, you had Corridor, you had uh, Freddie W., a lot of these big VFX channels that put a lot of effort into two minute, five minute videos that you would have never seen anywhere else in your life. Because no movie studio is going to make this. It's individual creators who can pay for the creation of these videos because of how good um, YouTube monetization used to be. Uh, but now that those videos kind of get buried underneath podcasts and longer form, um, what's the what's the word? Improv content, which mm -hmm. is a little misleading, but content where you do not script it. Unscripted is the better phrase. Mm -hmm. Unscripted content where you don't have to actually put a lot of pre-production effort. You just turn on the camera, make content, and then you can pump that out. Uh, that content is now at the forefront. So it's harder to make shorter creative content, easier to make longer, unscripted, kind of less work content, but that can be a little... Uh, it gives a negative connotation that I don't necessarily intend. Mm. Okay, <laughs> you speak now. Oh, of course, of course. I, I think the one detail uh, that I, I would add to that excellent explanation of <laughs> of the whole situation is, is that a majority of the adpocalypse changes uh, came after Google purchased YouTube. So like YouTube starting off, what you and I would uh, say is the golden age of YouTube where uh, the biggest channel on the platform for a long time, which was Smosh, they were multi-millionaires off of putting out a couple minutes of content a week. Uh, in My this day God. and age, in the corporatized era of, of YouTube and, and, and content creation, producing a couple minutes of content a week would never, ever make you a multi-millionaire. But it did back then when YouTube was primarily a creative space where creativity and creative integrity took place over everything else. But now Google comes in, all of a sudden, this website that blew up is now owned by one of the biggest tech conglomerates in the world. And they need to squeeze it for as much money as it's worth, because if they're not making money, then they're not doing their job properly. So I, I think that's, you know, a, a very important thing to note when you see all those changes. But uh, the, the reason that I wanted to start talking about Adpocalypse, talking about the mass corporatization of YouTube over the course of roughly a decade is because that seems to be the core of the Sniper Wolf outcome, which as of this recording was just announced yesterday that YouTube is giving her a light slap on the wrist. They are demonetizing her content for a brief period of time, despite the fact that she does not make anything originally herself. She is a multimillionaire based off the theft of content, but they need her because she is such 
a cash cow. And I could have never seen something like this happening in 2010, 2009. It, it never would have happened. But the fact that YouTube is turning a blind eye because they need this is 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 crazy. What, what was your reaction like when you saw the whole situation unfolding and how YouTube reacted? Were you expecting this? Okay, so yeah, I guess everything is going kind of as I expect because the, the demonetization is not because she's a React content creator. Mm. The demonetization is because she dodged somebody. Oh yeah. So yeah. There, it's just a temporary thing to say that they've done something. Because YouTube is not going to come out and say that React content is wrong. They don't want to say that because mm. it's not just Sniper Wolf. It's, I mean, Ludwig makes React content Thousands. too, but at, least, yeah. but at least he makes other kind of content um, that is actually really, like he's a good content creator. He just does React sometimes is my take on that. But mm. there are also all of these channels just like Sniper Wolf that pump out, you know, terabytes of content a day as a community of just reacting to other people's content. Um, and like I talked about with that previous rant, it is very good for ads. You, It's it's mm. a 30 minute video, easy to put out. You can put out, you could put out 10 a day if you were really, really trying at it, just cause you get a compilation that maybe even somebody else made that as well. Not just the individual videos you're watching, but compilations of videos that you're watching. Um, so you don't even have to source your content. You just find the person who sources content for you, who you might not be paying, probably or not. Sure. And then you watch the videos on that compilation, react to it, and then don't even have to edit it. Just post that wholesale. Um, or somebody at Sniper Wolf's level probably pays an editor. So it is very much in line with the result of content post-adpocalypse. The difficulty with how difficult it is to make money the only kind of content that can exist is sniper wolf style content. And some people are able to hang on to the kind of creativity that YouTube um, originated with, with a kind of halfway between the old style skit content and now a kind of live streaming slash longer unscripted form. mix, longer form, yeah. Um, so no longer do like a full script for a skit, but you maybe have the idea of the skit, do an unscripted version of it live on stream, and then post an edited version of that as content. People like Jax Films do that now. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about what I want to say about that. Yeah, uh, I, I just, a new topic. I guess. A new, a new topic. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think probably, in my opinion, the most upsetting thing about YouTube's response is not the, the fact that they took so long to do it, not the fact that it was such a light slap on the wrist, uh, but in their official tweet response, or sorry, sorry, X response, in their official response, they said that they wanted the trouble that was being caused on both sides to stop, which is just like those two words, the fact that they said both sides, they need the React content so badly that they view Jack's criticism of it. And that's all he did. All he did is criticize it. He did it. He criticized it a lot but all mm -hmm. he did was criticize it to be equally as bad as doxing someone showing their house to 5 million people on the internet. They are acting as if those are two equally bad things. And I, I understand that they need react content to generate an insane amount of ad revenue. And like ad revenue is what keeps YouTube pumping, but to take that stance almost seems inhuman. I, it's, 
strange. So the way I see it, I don't think they have any moral thoughts about one side or the other. It's a large, it's a large company. There's a lot of people involved, so they might have different opinions amongst themselves, but as a company, they're not necessarily treating it like both sides are equally bad. They're treating it like this problem will go away in a few weeks. Mm. And they're right. If they just play that out, nothing bad will happen to them. They will not lose viewers on the massive YouTube platform, most of which isn't even aware of Sniper Wolf or Jack's films or the concept of anything we're talking about. Mm. If they just wait it out, they can just pass this by. No uh, problem. And they're right. So I don't really know what to do about that. It's just that they are so big, they can afford to not care. This is not an epidemic issue that affects their bottom line. Um, the kind of stealing of content, unless the EU usually is the savior of a situation like this, mm-hmm. but unless any a kind of government entity that matters uh, steps in and says, you can't steal content, you know, if unless copyright law is changed, um, then I don't think anything is going to change. Having said that, though, copyright law has been challenged with, um, you know, e- H3, H3, uh, Ethan Klein. Did oh, a lot I remember of that work. whole thing. And yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of actually the pendulum swinging the other way, where before Ethan Klein was commenting on material, like commenting on uh, Keemstar a lot. I feel mm. like I can't remember who really brought the lawsuits, but I, I, it was some guy who's like completely irrelevant now. I don't remember his name. But I mean, you're familiar with Ethan's content. He does comment. He makes, uh, I think, transformative commentary oh, totally. on the work that he he looks at. So his version of React content, I'm chill with. And then oh, he, totally. on the it's other side, different. yeah, you have Sniper Wolf, who often uh, one of Jack's films videos was a Sniper Wolf bingo. I so the the bingo card I was mm-hmm. going to bring up as a great example. It's the list of things that make what Sniper Wolf does not okay yes like that's the difference if you look at ethan klein making social commentary transformative in nature uh sniper wolf summarizing the video that we both just watched i'm getting nothing new out of sniper wolf she's just the person in the corner or to the side um so it is different i think that's the first thing people will argue about it is different it is not transformative and therefore under current copyright law i'm not a lawyer uh, should not <laughs> pretend be you are yeah should not be allowed but who's going to bring that against her because a lot of the content she's copying it's from many disparate sources and a lot of it is that kind of tiktok random video some person who doesn't even know where the video ended up um posting it they're not going to care um yeah so who would bring the lawsuit that could actually fix this that's probably where it would start is somebody specific like if she watched keemstar or something and then they brought a lawsuit against her Mm. um kind of the same way that it happened with ethan but the other way around i i think that what a lot of people are citing is that uh, youtube even though people are claiming that youtube shouldn't do anything because the the doxing happened off of their platform it happened on instagram so a lot of people are saying that youtube has no grounds to take action to something that happened off of their platform but uh i i can't remember the specific examples but youtube in the past has in their uh, copyright guidelines if like off platform they have reason to suspect that you brought any form of harm to uh, another creator off their platform that they do have the right to take action but some people believe that they are actively changing that policy and playing favorites especially when you know jack has dedicated 17 years of his life to making content on youtube making a living off of youtube um 
I, I just I I'm floored by the favoritism. I'm floored that they could see the doxing, and then well, let's focus on, on ju- just the doxing for now. That they could see that happen and think that the light slap on the wrist with demonetization for a temporary amount of time is enough. Do you? But do you think that her being pla- deplatformed is like a worthy punishment for the crime? Like in in your perfect world, how would YouTube have reacted against Sniper Wolf? That's tough to say. It is. It is uh, tough to say. It's a big question. A full deplatforming. I'm not sure. I. You could get into the whole. You look at her backlog and decide she's not worth uh, a strike or two. Um, but I'm not going to take her like the kind of content she makes into account. I would say. Oh man, because it's such a sacred thing among YouTubers. Yeah, to not like, bring not bring internet creators. beef. Yeah, do not bring internet beef into the real world. It is. Well, because YouTubers know, YouTubers, streamers know what happens when your address gets leaked. You have to move. There is no staying in place. You will get swatted. You will get harassed. Ooh, okay. Very briefly, for anyone in the audience who doesn't know what swatting is, could you please give a a, a, a succinct explanation? Oh, my God. Um, It's fucked. Whenever people know your address... And you're streaming, you don't even have to be streaming. This this is a general thing that can happen. If somebody knows your address, they can call the cops, say that there is a hostage situation at your address, and there is a very specific protocol that cops take, which is very unkind towards the people in the house. Um, that's a there's a protocol that cops take whenever they have to uh resolve that situation. Whether or not there is a hostage in the house or not. You are going to get guns pointed at you. You are going to get pushed around. You're going to get um, treated like suspects do by the SWAT team that ends up coming to your house. So oftentimes people will be live streaming and then randomly they'll have to cut off the live stream. And what has happened is that a SWAT team has arrived to their house, maybe busted down their doors, maybe not, but they they are now getting guns pointed at them for a completely fake threat just because somebody knows their address. Uh, you know, Ludwig's gone through it. Cutie Cinderella, they live together. Um, Hassan has been swatted. Any streamer you can think of that's big enough, oh, yeah. they've probably been swatted. It's, so, it's, it is not an exaggeration to say that it is a life-threatening... Like, people... There have been smaller streamers that have died as a result of, of fake swatting. And mm-hmm. I know that, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, Ethan Klein, but I, I've seen the clips of him where he says that it's gotten to a point where the police just call him now whenever like someone calls with a fake hostage situation like the police just call him because they know him and they say hey we think you just got swatted like we're not coming over so that's like like a lot of people are downplaying the severity of the situation and i think that's what bothers me like if you are a public figure and you know not a public figure to the state of a movie star like jack's films might have five million followers but like he's not He's not George so Clooney. He's, yeah, yeah, he's not George Clooney. He's not like like American social zeitgeist royalty. But like that is life-threatening stuff. Yeah, I, maybe that's something I take for granted when I talk about how serious it is for a creator to get doxxed. Yeah. Uh, I take for granted that I know what happens whenever a, a YouTube creator gets doxxed. Mm. Maybe other people just think that means fans will come to their house, which is also in and of itself that's the best case it scenario. It gets to an awful level, but that's yeah, best case scenario. That's, that's, that's case a terrible scenario. thing, and it's still the best case scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there are massive consequences to having you, a 
public personality's address leaked and you're not such a celebrity that you have security, you have gates or some kind of um, relationship with your local police department. You don't have that. You have no mm. protections for that. Eventually, Ethan, I guess, got that protection. But it's kind of a new thing. I don't know how easy it is to get on a do not swat list. <laughs> um, yeah, especially with the number of people. It's not just Jack's films either. It's every creator big enough. So how big would the do not swat list be? Would cops even agree to that? If you're, if Because do cops even respect content creators? Probably not. It might take a lot of convincing. Um, well, I mean, it, they, they also think about it, if you're a smaller creator and you, you go to your local police station, and you say, hey, please put me on a list. So that way, if someone calls saying that I have a hostage, I don't. Yeah, like, like, yeah it might get a little response? suspicious. Yeah, that, get, that does get a little suspicious. They immediately think like, oh, this guy wants to have a hostage. Yeah, it's people understand what it means if you say, hey, I was in a Marvel movie. Please put my house on a list. Exactly, exactly. And less so to say, hey, I uh, comment on Social Rocket issues, League yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, I comment on Rocket League games and I have uh, 20,000 followers on Jitter. Uh, please block my house from swattings. I, what does that mean? I don't know. No. Well, how many followers are good? You can have a million TikTok followers and it means nothing. Um, so like what, what would be, what would constitute the worthiness of being on a do not swat list? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a sad reality. We could hop, hop off this topic right now if you want, but I, I think that <laughs> one of the one of the most important questions that I want to ask you, and we, we might call this the end of the, uh, the the end of the episode here, the big overarching theme of this whole situation and the conversation we had about uh, monetization, apocalypse in the beginning, and the corporatization over YouTube over a ten plus year period, uh, it is clear that YouTube started as a place where creativity was the priority. You know, YouTube's old slogan was "Broadcast yourself." And it was someplace where, like we said, a channel like Smosh could make four minutes of content a week and become multimillionaires for it. Uh, that is no longer the case. And I believe that that will no longer be the case ever again for YouTube. But, you know, new platforms like, well, not new platforms, but newer platforms like TikTok are popping up. I find that there is far more creative and transformative content there than there is on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure the same thing might happen there. But could you speak as someone who makes content creation yourself? how you kind of wrestle with the battle of I need to make what I want to make and I need to make what might make money. Do you consider that at all in what you make or do you primarily just make the stuff that you enjoy? I, with the way that, the way that co the content creation community is right now, my preference is to just keep my day job and make stuff that I like. Mm. That's my preference. That's what I. That's what I'm. I, I'm doing. Uh, I'm not gonna try and aim for you know trying mixing between the algorithm and and everything, and competing on what the YouTube platform is now, because it's not the way it used to be where you could make some amazing piece of art and it hits the right spot and then you get a really really dedicated fan base. Even if you get that dedicated fan base, if you don't make the right kind of content or if you don't stream constantly. You're not going to be able to make a living on it. And then if you put that much effort into it and have a day job, you can't really do both, but you can't make a living off the thing that you love. So it kind of knocks you out as a person trying to make interesting, creative, um, high effort content. Uh, not to say a lot of creators don't put high effort. Like, I mean, Mr. Beast started with 
the kind of low effort unscripted content, literally counting to a million. Yeah, that's, that, how, that's, that's how, how it, isn't that how he got his like first big wave of fame? Yeah, that's he did that. Um, and then once he had enough of an income, now he makes, I will say, really high quality, high effort content that is edited a very specific way to keep engagement. And it's got its own style to it. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say it's bad. I know Sean, uh, Jack Septica got in trouble for saying it's bad, but that's <laughs> another conversation that we could get into because I agree and disagree. Well, oh yeah, that, that is an interesting bad. conversation. Um, I'll let you finish your point first before yeah, I we gotta, my thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah, hold on. Let me try and regather myself. Yeah, a huge point that I want to get across mm -hmm. whenever I talk about this topic with YouTube, because it's a very easy way to describe it because of the name of YouTube. It's called YouTube. The whole point, like you said, the slogan was broadcast yourself. It was a way for individuals, just the public citizens who don't have massive studios to make content, make their own movies. You know, before we had the phrase content to call what it, this is, what it is, it used to be make your own movies and then put that on YouTube. You don't, that's your distribution platform. You don't need to go through movie theaters or local theaters or any of that. You can just put it on the internet. Everybody can see it now. Uh, excuse me, home videos, vlogs. It was about the individual and it was about uh, individuals coming together to enjoy a new kind of creation. But now the traditional, um, the traditional apparatus has invaded that space and it's no longer YouTube. It is now you and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon and you know fox searchlight or whatever everyone is on the platform and how can i how can jack's films how can well sniper will figure it out but <laughs> how do you compete against platforms who have a massive studio uh from which to create content uh you know when the front page has stuff like like jimmy kimmel or jimmy fallon like i the late night jimmies the late night jimmies why how did we end up with two jimmies what are the what's the probability of that that's always bugged me um, but the competition is a lot fiercer because it's no longer just the individuals. It is also massive studios on top of the apocalypse, on top of a lot of different things. And it's all, it is corporate. It all comes back to corporate. The reason the apocalypse happened is because, um, Google is trying to protect its, its brand because that the apocalypse actually got big enough to reach them, to actually make them change their policies. I think I lost my train of thought here, but I think that that is the main point is that once you allow large studios and, and corporate entities to compete with the individual, uh, the individual loses. And so you cannot have a platform like YouTube with the slogan of broadcast yourself with the idea of the public citizenry getting their ability to put their content on an equal playing field with movies. You can't have that if movie studios are now allowed to compete on that same level. Um, so it's not the same platform. It just isn't. It's not YouTube. It is now something else, which is not necessarily bad, but let's not pretend like it's the same mission statement as it used to be. And no maybe somebody else, era. yeah, maybe somebody else will be able to come in and recreate it and then it'll happen to them too. And then we'll just create a new one. And that's what the internet will be, is just the creation of revolutionary ideas and then their eventual inevitable corruption in the face of, of monetization. The snake will continue to eat itself.
well, or a Boris. Well, yes. well Logan Brown, is there anything you want to shout out for yourself? Um, I am Bojack underscore Brown on TikTok. Uh, Logan underscore Brown one on Instagram. Got to figure out something with that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I make content that I like. Uh, I'll be pumping some stuff out here soon enough, but it's chill. I'm just, I'm more of a, I make art for myself and then I'll put it out regardless of, I, I might not be consistent. I'm not selling myself too well here, but um, hey, an yeah, honest that's, creator that's with, a, with creative integrity. We love it. <laughs> all, right. all right, Logan, we're going to, we're going to call it there. Thank you so much for your time, man. Sure. Thank you. I, I enjoy this. So have a good day.